Good morning, everyone. This is Father Nate, missionary priest in Italy. Today is July 24th of 2023, and we're celebrating Monday of the 16th week in Ordinary Time. It's also the optional memorial of St. Charbel Malkruf, the priest. He was born in 1828 and died in 1898. He was a priest and monk and part of the Maronite Catholic Rite, which is one of the Eastern Catholic Rites, in, principally in Lebanon. Today's gospel comes to us from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 12, verses 38 through 42. Some of the scribes and Pharisees said to Jesus, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. He said to them in reply, An evil and unfaithful generation seeks a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. At the judgment, the men of Nineveh will rise with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and there is something greater than Jonah here. At the judgment, the queen of the south will arise with this generation and condemn it, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and there is something greater than Solomon here. In today's gospel, Jesus offers a very harsh rebuke to those scribes and Pharisees who ask for a sign. First of all, we can consider what it was exactly the scribes and Pharisees were asking for and why it was so wrong. Second, we can consider what makes Jesus' rebuke so harsh. And third, how we can apply this gospel to our own lives. Now first, as we recall, the scribes and the Pharisees had asked Jesus for a sign. Now the Greek word there for sign, semion, makes reference to something miraculous or wonderful, which confirms the supernatural origin or the, the divine mission of the one performing it. In other words, that sort of sign means to confirm that the person doing it comes from God. Now, such a demand was fairly common among the Jews. This, there's historians who attest to this, but St. Paul does too in his first letter to the Corinthians. In the very first chapter, verse 22, he writes, The Jews demand signs, and the Greeks look for wisdom. The Jews demand signs. The problem, though, is that at this point in Matthew's Gospel, it's hard to imagine what more the Jews could want Jesus to do. In chapter 12 alone, which is where the Gospel comes from, Jesus heals a man with a withered hand. He casts out a demon. He cures a mute person. And then in verse 15, we're told he cured all the many people who followed him. All of them. After his baptism, the crowds heard a voice from heaven say, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Now we can ask ourselves, what, what more did they want? Well, it's clear that nothing is really going to satisfy the scribes and Pharisees. They're always just going to demand more and more. Now, it's for this reason that Jesus harshly rebukes those who ask the question, which is our second point. What, what makes this rebuke so harsh? Well, first, Jesus tells them that an evil and unfaithful generation seeks a sign. That word unfaithful is very strong. In fact, it's better translated as adulterous. In fact, in the Spanish version of the gospel for today, it's, that's the word used, is adulterous. And it's a word that's loaded with meaning, since it brings to mind the whole tradition of referring to God's relationship with Israel, his chosen people, as a marriage. In other words, in asking for a sign, Jesus says that his questioners have entirely broken faith with God. Nothing will satisfy them. 
The greatest sign that they're going to get will be the resurrection, the three days in the tomb when Jesus emerges alive, resurrected. And not even that will be enough. And Jesus, he knows this. In Luke's gospel, at the end of the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, if you remember, the rich man allows to, he begs to be allowed to return to warn his brothers. What does Abraham reply? He gives sort of a cryptic reply. He says, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. And the rich man said, Oh no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. But there's even more, because the Jews like to refer to the pagans as adulterous nations. Now both the men of Nineveh and the queen of the south were pagans. And so to have them rise up and condemn the Jews who thought that they were righteous is particularly harsh. But Jesus is making a very clear point. He is far greater than Jonah or Solomon. Think for a moment. Jonah preached without signs. The only thing he did was get spat out on the shore. He also didn't love the people of Nineveh. He went there because God told him and then practically forced him to go. And he also only went to one city. Jesus, on the other hand, worked many miracles. He had a great love for the people, and he preached throughout the known world. Likewise, King Solomon had great wealth and wisdom, but everything, absolutely everything, belongs to Christ, and Christ is wisdom incarnate. Yet nothing will satisfy the Pharisees and the scribes. They're constantly searching for great signs and wonders, and they miss the greatest gift of all, the presence of Christ himself. So we can also apply this gospel to our own lives. Sometimes it happens, too, that we want God to work in great ways. We want him to somehow miraculously confirm our vocations or or to show his power in dramatic ways, do this thing or that thing. It's like we want him to show us. We want him to let us know that with some amazing show of his might that he's there watching over us. But if we do this, if we ask for these signs then we'll lose sight of the miracles that he's already worked for us. Think, he's already raised us to new life through baptism. He gives us the grace we need to get through each day. He gave us our vocations. What more do we need? At some point, we just have to trust and say, it's enough. We can repeat with the man in the gospel, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So through the intercession of Mary, mother of faith, Let's ask for the grace to trust in Jesus and in his plans for us, knowing that we've received more than enough miracles to convince us of his love and care for us.